Welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can get me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and a review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, using the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. All right, we got a few things that we got to get to today. Uh, Pierre Lebrun had a real interesting piece in The Athletic today, kind of documenting what a possible playoffs could look like in the upcoming season, which also basically said that it's inevitable. It looks like we're going to get a Canadian division. Uh, he, he basically, you know, read between the lines. That's what he was hinting at there. Uh, also, I've seen a lot of people online talking about how ludicrous it is about how much the NBA players make compared to the NHL players. I agree. It is ludicrous, but I'll explain slightly why they see the money that they see. Um, also, if you're a, a Toronto native, you may have seen the paper. Uh, Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun came out with the top 50 Toronto sports list um, over the last 50 years. And 12 Leafs landing on the list uh, with Joe Bowen being an honorary 13th, I suppose you could say. So lucky number 13. Uh, there's, so, there's something about the number 13 in Toronto. I just can't put my finger on it. But I feel like that number will will come up somewhere in that list. But, uh, yeah, so we'll go through those ones. I'll, I'll tell you which Toronto Maple Leafs made that list. And then also, uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com, a uh, columnist, she wrote a best and worst contracts for all 31 NHL teams. So we're going to go over some of the best and worst contracts for the Maple Leafs, who she had, who I have, and uh, so that's pretty much going to be the basis of today's show. But first and foremost, it's, this is going to be real quick and real easy for you. If you're curious why you're watching guys like Fred Van Vliet get paid $22, $21 million a season, meanwhile, he's really just a role player on this team. He's not a superstar, yet he's making almost $10 million more than uh, than Austin Matthews, who is a superstar in the league, the team's best player, and one of the top paid in the entire sport. Like, you look at it. You have guys like Connor McDavid, who's only making $12.5 million. $12.5 million. Guys coming off the bench in the NBA are making that. Shoot, Gordon Hayward just signed a four-year deal worth $30 million in Charlotte. And this is somebody who was injured for most of last year and is nothing, nothing what he used to be. And even at that, he wasn't that great of a player, even when he was fully healthy, yet he earned a $30 million per year contract, fully guaranteed over the next four years to give him a whopping 120 schmill. Uh, and, and a big reason for this at the end of the day, simple math, the TV contracts between the NBA and the NHL are so astronomically different. And this is why the NBA is king for uh, for a lot. Well, the NFL is actually king, realistically. But the NBA, very, very close second now. Um, they Their TV contracts total $2.2 billion. $2.2 billion. And 
So when you compare that to just the piddly $200 million that the NHL TV contracts get, it's not even a comparison. Literally $2 billion more in revenue goes to the NBA. And then when you really break it down, the NBA, A, it's a, it's a soft cap system. They have higher salary caps, uh, and they only have, like, thir- I think it's 15 players you can have on a roster. So you've you got 15 players to make up your salary cap, which is the upwards, you know, up over 100, nearly $120 million split between 15 guys, as opposed to $80 million split between, what, 23 players? And for the least, it looks like it's going to only have to be 20 players because of the way how how tight up against the cap they are. So that's why you see guys coming off the bench. You see guys, uh, you know, making this ludicrous amount of money like Fred Van Vliet making 20 plus million dollars a season compared to the superstars in the NHL, the world's best, the absolute best of the best. And they're only getting, well, I say only, but comparatively, you know, 11, 12 million dollars uh so just if you are curious why these guys are making that much money at the end of the day comes down to to tv ad ad revenue that's why we're still playing sports ladies and gentlemen it has nothing to do with us it's not because they want the fans to watch it's because they want the ad revenue we just happen to be watching (laughs) for those ads who want us to watch so um yeah, so that's the biggest reason why you, you see all these crazy, crazy contracts in the NBA, uh, in case you were wondering. Um, so this Pierre LeBron piece in The Athletic, uh, let's touch on this one quickly as well. Uh, he all but admits that a Canadian division is going to be inevitable. It really does seem like it's going to be. And uh, he, he went through three different playoff scenarios that I think the NHL are 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 discussing. I think one is most likely, one is unlikely, and then the other is kind of a pipe dream that I guess Pierre is hoping becomes a reality. Uh, but essentially, it's a divisional playoffs, a conference playoffs, or a league wide playoffs. So divisional, it's very reminiscent to or very similar to what we have now, where it's pretty much the top four teams from each division play each other in a mini divisional playoff round, and then the division champ moves into the conference. Uh, conference finals. So that's basically what we have now, except it's only the top three, and then there's a wild card. So essentially, you're just getting rid of the wild card, and you're just doing divisions. So you got four divisions, your top four teams in each, that's who makes the playoffs. They play each other, whoever comes out of the division ends up in the conference championships, and then the conference finals, obviously the winners will meet in the Stanley Cup final. So that's the first one. The second one is the conference and this is basically more so what it was before, uh, where you still have the top four teams in each division, but then they're going to be uh, reseeded one through eight. And you got team one taking on team eight, team two, seven, three, six, four, five, exactly the way it used to be. And then from there, you know, they, they have their, their playoff bracket. So that's the second option. Uh, and the third option, league-wide, which would be, again, Top four teams make it from each 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 division, and then from there they get seeded one through sixteen based on uh, points at the end of the year. Here's why a couple of these things won't work, and why not that they won't work, but w- what makes it so difficult. So the divisional is the one that makes the most sense, and I'll explain why in a second. It doesn't make the most sense for the Canadian division, but it makes sense for everybody else. 
Um, but essentially, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any cross-border travel. So it really does put the NHL in a bit of a pickle because they're the only pro sports team that has multiple Canadian teams. Outside of the MLS, I guess they had three. But moving three sports teams, uh, three pro sports teams, you know, down south of the border, it sucks. I'm sure they struggled. I know for a fact that the the teams and their families struggled to kind of get through uh, through them being away for so long. But trying to do that with seven teams in Canada, which is a which is the the biggest hockey one of the biggest hockey markets in the world. Like it's our sport, and to think like sending them down to the U.S. to play just isn't going to sit right. So it's a lot easier just to put all seven in one division and have them just cross. Uh, travel throughout the country, and they don't have to worry about quarantining because, you know, that's the biggest issue is the fact that anybody who comes in from out of country, they're forced, it's a mandatory 14-day quarantine. So you can't have the Buffalo Sabres just crossing the border, going up the QEW, and playing a game in Toronto. It can't happen. They have to quarantine for 14 days before they're able to do that. Clearly, that's not going to work in the middle of the NHL. So I think that's why we're going to get a a Canadian division and why it's kind of inevitable. But in terms of playoffs, it makes sense that you just have these divisions kind of play each other out and then have the winners move on. Um, It just makes the most sense in terms of uh, seeding. Like the fact that these four teams or these seven teams are going to play each other and and the states are going to play each other, it makes sense. And, Unless it's the Canadian division, they're all pretty much going to be in the same time zone. But that is why the conference championship or the conference one through eight seed isn't going to work out as well, just because there's so much cross uh, cross travel and so on and so forth. Um, but the divisional, I think, a big reason why they want why they think that that could be the number one option is mainly because if they can get through, you know, two rounds of all Canadian playoff hockey. They're hoping that by the end of it, if you're looking at, you know, mid to late May, maybe early June, they're hoping that the border restrictions have softened and there could be cross-border travels for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. That's the hope. And as a Canadian, you got to be excited cuz technically that would 100% guarantee a Canadian to make it through to the conference finals, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs, you look at what's going on over there and 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 what's going on in this Canadian division, I believe that they're the class of the division. The Maple Leafs could make a run into the division championship and end up in the conference final because of this. I could totally see it happening. The whole league-wide thing, though, 1 through 16, I don't know if that makes sense either the NHL just hasn't seemed to be uh in favor of doing something like that and again the cross-country travel uh through the time zones is 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 a little bit of an issue there uh I know it's an issue within the the Canadian division as well but the American the other three American divisions they're not going to have that issue uh for the most part so uh, yeah, I, I thought that it was interesting uh, of Pierre Lebrun to, to bring up. We don't even know if we're going to have a season, yet he's like, oh, this is what the playoff scenarios could look like or the format could look like. But it seems like this divisional format uh, of the top four teams of each division making it through seems like the most likely scenario. 
And that means that it's going to be tough sledding for this Canadian division. Like, I look, six out of the seven teams, I think, are definitely quality enough teams to vie for a playoff spot. You know, you got Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, Winnipeg. I mean, Ottawa is really the only team who I wouldn't consider to be among the class and really in the hunt, just because you think about those are the teams that they're going to have to play all year. I don't see many wins, right? They're not going to be playing uh, Florida. They're not going to be playing Detroit. They're not going to go and have a California road swing and be able to pick up points against Anaheim or San Jose. They got to try and win games against this tough, tough Canadian division, and I don't see it happening. It's going to be really tough, uh, despite actually doing a rather good job this offseason, in my opinion, uh, for Pierre Dorian. But it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I hope that's that's how it ends up cracking down if, in fact, this Canadian division does end up being the case. Uh, it seems like there's been a lot of legwork been put into it behind the scenes, which, again, is pretty much Pierre saying without saying that it seems like a Canadian division is going to be uh, likely. All right, uh, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Steve Simmons' article, and I'll let you know, and we could discuss some of the 12 Maple Leafs that landed on his Toronto Top 50 Sports list of the last 50 years. But before we do, let me tell you guys all about Bilt Bar. The Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious. It's got 18 amazing flavors. You've got your 12 originals like your peanut butter, your banana bread. you got your orange peanut butter brownie, a personal favorite of mine. But now we've got six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp. These sound delicious. I got a couple in the mail the other day. Let me tell you, this apple almond crisp is unreal. You definitely are going to want to try these bad boys. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bars are healthy. The Built Bar is great for a health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they are great for the keto diet. And get this, guys. Built Bar has an offer for you. You can get yourself a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. And go to BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. Uh, taking a look at the 12 Maple Leafs to land on Steve Simmons' Toronto Sports Top 50 list of the top 50 ye- years. And yeah, 12 Leafs landed on this list. I have uh, in front of me. I have that one uh, wrong. Okay, so yeah, 12 and then a honorary honorary. 13th Maple Leaf that included uh, voice of the Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen, Bonesy, my guy. Uh, So let's go through them real quickly. Brendan Shanahan, surprisingly, although he's only been here a short time, uh, made the list here at number 41. And I think it's just because of the Shanna plan. 
It was such, and the way that this team is now is really, it, it all turned for this organization when Brendan Shanahan came into the fold as the president of Hockey Ops and really put forward the Shanna plan, right? That was, they went out, they got Babcock, they went out and, and he hired Lou Lamorello, Kyle Dubas was brought into the fold as well, and then eventually moved on from Lamorello, Dubas became his guy, moved on from Mike Babcock, now we got Sheldon Keefe, and we've got Matthews, we got Marner, we got Tavares, right? We've got so many key, key pieces that we think are going to be successful going forward, and this is all starting and and kind of breaking branching off and it all started with the Shanna plan and i think that that was what started the the new leafs culture of success so uh Shanahan here just a short time in toronto but certainly uh, a top 50 uh torontonian in terms of toronto sports influencers certainly makes this list. Uh, Austin Matthews, another guy on this list who hasn't been here very long. He comes in at number 37. Um, I, I just think the fact that he's a number one overall pick, he's turned out to be a, an absolute superstar of a talent like this this city hasn't seen in a long time. Um, and now he's the face of the franchise, and, and he's a guy who can go out and score goals at will and one day hopefully win a Rocket Richard. And, and realistically, you also look at his social media game. You talk about being an influencer. That's Austin Matthews for you. So Austin Matthews certainly here at number 37 uh, makes the list. I will say, however, I believe that uh, Steve fudged up a little bit. He should have been number 34. Like, come on. At least you gotta make him number thirty-four and make him, you know, match the jersey number. I mean, just saying, just saying. But uh, talk about jersey numbers. Whenever you go down to to Scotia Bank Arena, obviously not now, but over the last couple of years, one of the jerseys that you see more often on on children down at the arena, number thirty-four, Austin Matthews, just goes to show, uh, you know, what he's done. To the, for the city, for this organization, and the impact that he's having with uh, with with all the kids and all the the, the least fans that are growing up here. Uh, all right, moving on a little bit further down the list. Actually, next on the list at number thirty six, Dave Keon. Now, Dave Keon's a little bit before my uh, my time. But I do know that Dave Keon, obviously, just by knowing my Leafs history, one of the greatest Leafs of all time. I believe he made it, what, number, was he number one or one number two on TSN's top uh, top Canadian or top Maple Leafs list this past summer? So Dave Keon at here on number 36 makes total sense. Actually a little surprised that he's not lower uh, on this list. Uh, coming in at number 22, Bjorn Salming. So Salming, again, a little bit before my time, but Bjorn Salming was one of the best defensemen, uh, best Leafs players to ever play the game. And for a team that's still looking for D, man, wouldn't you love just a reincarnation of Salming to come back and help this team try and win another championship? Boy, could really use that. Uh, Next up. Wendell Clark, number 21 on the list. 
I had the pleasure of meeting Wendell here at TSN. He came into the studio, presented me with my own little overdrive jersey that Al's brother on the back, and it was really, it was a really cool moment. Like I had never met Wendell before, but um, he was my one of my, my my uncle's like favorite players growing up. So I always respected Wendell Clark. Although again, a little bit before my time, I'm 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 a '94 born guy, right? So I grew up more so in the Sundean. Tucker Domi era of the Maple Leafs. So Wendell, a little bit before me, but I've always respected him, and I've known him to be one of the best Leafs of all time. So coming in at number 21, no surprise, no arguments here. A little surprised, however, to see Cliff Fletcher, Cliff Fletcher come in at number 19. I don't know why I'm surprised about it, but you know maybe it's just because he did a couple of tours of duty. But, I mean, his second tour was not great at all, uh, and that didn't go over very well. And it's taken a couple of years to uh, to kind of rebuild his rebuild. So, I, I mean, but I guess coming in at number 19, uh, for a guy like Steve Simmons, who's a generation uh, older than I am, clearly he meant a lot to the generation before me. And the Leafs, uh, you know, the city of Toronto, for this team, you know, through through the 90s. Um, speaking of, Pat Burns coming in at number 18 as, along with fellow uh, coach Pat Quinn. So Burns and Quinn, two uh, coaches who are no longer with us. I believe actually the, the anniversary of Pat Quinn's death was earlier this week. So RIP to Pat Quinn. Um, like I mentioned, I grew up in the Sundean, Tucker, Domi era, and Pat Quinn was the coach, you know, during Cujo, all those guys. He was he was the first coach of the first Toronto Maple Leafs team that I became a fan of. You know, that year they went on the, on the run to the conference finals where they got ousted in the third round by Carolina. That was the year that I became a Leafs fan, just so everybody, everybody knows. And Pat Quinn was the guy on the bench, and if you speak to anybody, Anybody in the game of hockey, they have nothing but respect and amazing things to say about Pat Quinn, one of the best hockey people uh, to, to to ever be a part of the sport. So coming in at number seventeen, that may even be a little bit low for me. I, I would or a little bit high for me. I, it's so weird when you're looking at numbers. I don't know how. To, I think he should be closer to the top. As in, like, number one on the list. <laughs> Not number one, but closer to the first few names on the list. Uh, all right, coming in at number 15, Daryl Sittler. Makes total sense. You know, Sittler, if you have an era named after you, you know, you got the Wendell era, the Sittler era, the Sundean era. This is now the Matthews era of the Maple Leafs. You certainly made an impression and an imprint on this city, on this team, on this organization. And, you know, he still holds the record for most points in a game, right? As a Maple Leaf, too. And it's just uh, amazing, right? So coming in at number 15 makes total sense. And Steve, my guy, you missed out on a great opportunity once again. You came and you put Matt Sundin at number 14. Number 14. How are you going to put Matt Sundin at number 14? You couldn't have just put him at 13. You couldn't have just put him at 13. Man, there's... uh, And number 13, with, with all due respect, was Vince Carter, who I think, yes, probably was more of a an influence here in the city of Toronto sports. But still, man, like, Sundin, you were so close to 13. You just got to... Slide him down a little bit. But anyways, 
I digress. Uh, Matt Sundin certainly deserves to be here on this list. I even think, really, he probably should be top 10 uh, on this list, in, in my personal opinion. Like, the guy was just phenomenal. Took this team uh, to, to a conference final. Actually, technically, he was injured for for some of that, but still, like Matt Sundin was the heart and soul of this organization for years. And when he left, it sucked. You know, it's it stung. It really stung. A lot of people were not happy when he left this organization. Um, taking a look a little bit lower on the list. What do we have left? Two more names still left on this list. At number nine, Dougie Gilmore. Makes total sense. Again, Sittler, Sundin, Gilmore. You know, Gilmore's again an era. You're named after an era. You clearly made an impression. Dougie Gilmore, one of the top Maple Leafs of all time. Um, you know, that year in 93 was 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 magical. So I hear I was not yet birthed, but uh, <laughs> I know a little bit about Leafs history and Dougie Gilmore. Um, one of the best, best to ever lace him up in the white and blue. And then number four was Harold Ballard. And this is totally a pick where you could say, okay, yeah, Harold Ballard coming in at number four. Clearly, uh, this was made by somebody over the age of 50. Because Harold Ballard, I don't think even most millennials will have no idea who Harold Ballard is. He was, you know, the owner for many, many, many years of the Maple Leafs. Uh, Very, you know, not, haven't heard many nice things about him, to be honest. But uh, obviously somebody who's very influential over the last little bit. Um, But he's someone who wouldn't have made this high on my list. I'll tell you that. Uh, I don't even know if I would have thought about him just because, you know, of what a terrible owner he was. But Harold Ballard coming in at number four. And then uh, my man, Bonesy, Joe Bowen, uh, goes in along with the broadcasters, and they were technically ranked uh, at number 27. So shout out to my man, Bonesy, and uh, the rest of the broadcasters that made it. And uh, yeah, let me know if you think anybody didn't who didn't make the list should have made the list. Bob McKenzie, for me, is one of those. I don't know how Bob didn't make the list. Maybe it's because he's more of a a national hockey icon as opposed to a Toronto icon. But he's right here from Toronto. Lived here for for so long. But, uh, yeah, let me know if you guys have anybody who you felt should have made this list. Maybe not even hockey-related or Leafs-related. Maybe even just sports in general who missed, uh, missed the cut. Uh, All right, let's take one more quick break here, and when we come back, we'll get to this uh, Emily Kaplan article from ESPN.com on the best and worst contracts on the Maple Leafs. All right, guys, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Uh, Just a reminder, we're doing three podcasts a week for the next little bit, probably about the next six weeks or so until until NHL hockey starts back up and uh, resumes, which we're hoping for. We are definitely hoping for that to happen. They still have not uh, finalized this this little, I guess we could call it, uh, a little bit of a roadblock in terms of the owners wanting to defer a little bit more money later into the CBA as opposed to, you know, now. Um, and the players not wanting to do that. Supposedly, there wasn't any dialogue over the weekend, which doesn't sound like a good thing, actually. But at the end of the day, I think it'll all get settled, and uh, and we will see hockey very shortly. 
But let's look at the best and worst contracts on the Maple Leafs. So Emily Kaplan, she chose the best and the worst of all 31 teams. She's a writer for ESPN.com. And best contract she chose was Morgan Riley. And yeah, that makes sense. Like Morgan Riley, two more years at $5 million. He's he's a top-pairing defenseman, uh, an absolute horse for, for the Maple Leafs, plays 25 minutes a night. Uh, you know, doesn't say a word. He's a guy who you could put a C on, and nobody would have batted an I. I personally thought Morgan Riley should have been the guy to get the captaincy. Um, but yeah, Morgan Riley, 100% the best contract right now. And I think this is important that's for the, you know, right now for this season going forward. Uh, I think that with this Riley contract is is one of the best for myself. She only did one for each uh, one of the best and, and and then the worst. But for myself, a couple other honorable mentions that I want to toss out here. I think Zach Hyman at two point two million dollars. What he's been able to do with this team uh, for such a cheap amount of money has been great. You know the fact that he's been a, a, an absolute heart and soul guy in the penalty kill. He's been fantastic at five on five uh, with either Zach with either um, Tavares and Mar or he's been able to be flexible and move up and play with with uh, Austin Matthews. So he's a guy who really has just done whatever he's been asked to do. And uh, as Mike Babcock once said, he's pretty good, eh? And yes, yes, he is, Mike. Uh, one other player, uh, I don't know what you guys think, but to me, William Nylander, under $7 million for a 24-year-old who scored 30 goals, I think that's a pretty good contract, right? I think if you look around the league and you see what guys are making nowadays, I think it's a good contract. I think it's uh, somebody I would consider to be an honorable mention. I wouldn't put it among the top in the league, but it's not bad. Ilya Mikheyev at $1.6 million as well. If he can be what he was last year before he got injured, I think Mikheyev has an opportunity over the next two years at $1.645 million to be another guy who could be a Zach Hyman-like steal in the top six for the Maple Leafs. Uh, Taking a look at the worst contracts. So Emily Kaplan had John Tavares. Yeah, got to agree with this one that Johnny T is probably the worst contract out there on the Maple Leafs. Uh, $11 million signed for the next five years, already 30 years of age, and showed some signs already that he was slowing down just a little bit last year. Um, And it's not going to get any better going forward, unless he pulls an Eric Stahl where he just kind of turns it around at age 33 and just becomes an all-star. I I mean, realistically, he hasn't. He's still an all-star. He hasn't faded from that bad of status. Like, I think he's a guy who can still score, you know, 30 goals, 70, 75 points a season. But that's just not what you're looking for when you're paying a guy $11 million. Maybe in the NBA, if he was making $11 million, <laughs> right? But in the NHL, you pay somebody $11 million, That takes up so much of your cap space. You, you need him to be... Uh, so, so good, and and your top player. And the fact that they have three guys making $10.8-plus million is so, so tough uh, for this Leafs team, and it's a reason why they're kind of in a little bit of a, a salary cap pickle, and especially this year uh, in a flat cap world. Another guy who I think, uh, as my personal honorable mentions, uh, I got to throw a little bit of shade towards Mitch Marner. Did not earn that $10.89 million contract this year. 
can he go ahead and earn it over the next couple of years? Sure he can. He's only 23 years old. He still has a couple of years to figure things out and get and, you know get to his prime. He's not even his prime yet and he's still almost, you know, put up back-to-back 90-point seasons knocking on the door of 100 points. Could he get there? Yes, he can. He's got to be way better than he was last year though. And certainly he's got to start performing in the playoffs because that's where He's been missing out most, and that's why the hatred has come down on Mitch Marner. His lack of play in the playoffs, that's that's what it's coming down to. So if you actually look at it, he's played really, really well over the past couple of regular seasons, right? Like last season, he had how many points am I looking here? Played all 82 games, 94 points last season. And this year, 67 points in 59 games. So, you know, on pace... For 90, 95 points, right? So I think uh, I think there's still a lot of, sh- there's more shade thrown towards Marner than there should be. And a big reason for it is because he just hasn't been performing in the playoffs. Um, and that's really it. That's really it. So if he can start doing that, maybe he finds himself off of this list. But at 11 million bucks or just shy, short under that, Man, you got to be a superstar, and he hasn't been that. Uh, and the last one that I, is, I mean, it's not that bad of a contract, but it's something that I wish wasn't on the Maple Leafs, and that's Alex Kerfoot making three and a half million. I just think that that three and a half million that they're paying Kerfoot could be better spent elsewhere, uh, especially now that they bring in a guy like Joe Thornton. Um, to play like a third line center, if that's the case, Kerfoot. If you're gonna toss him over onto the wing, I, I just think that there's there's better players or just as adequate players for less money that could play the wing spot and then use that money to allocate towards better defensemen or better goaltending uh, or improved depth. So that's my only issue with with Kerfoot. I just don't think. That uh, it's not that the three and a half million dollars is a bad contract, but for this specific team, I think that it's an unnecessary contract for a third liner to be making nearly four million dollars when you already have so much money locked up into uh, into those core four guys, and you know you've got to get Hyman re-signed. You know that uh, Rasmus Sandin's going to be coming up in a couple of years. Freddie Anderson's got to get re-signed. In two years, you've got the Morgan Riley coming up for renewal. So some tough, tough contracts uh, that will be coming up, and you'll have that $3.5 million on the books from Alex Kerfoot. But it's not terrible. I just wish that he performed a little bit better. Uh, So, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive Leafs content three times a week daily online, though. You can follow myself on Twitter. I'm making a score Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for myself and four other Lockdown hosts. Discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Locked on Leafs.